Welcome to Maniacally Midwest, a true crime podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us again this week at Maniacally Midwest. As we mentioned, last week was the first week that we have a YouTube channel. So obviously, you're going to want to check that out immediately. I have switched locations today because otherwise you would hear my baby talking the entire time in the background. And by talking, I mean probably yelling at me specifically. So I'm in the dining room. Enjoy it while you can because I hate it down here. But (laughs) (laughs) this week, Chloe's going to be presenting her case for us. And then at the end of it, we've got our controversial topic, which I think we have chosen last week immediately following the episode. Chloe was like, no, we got to do it. So with that being said, we'll jump right in. Chloe's going to present and kick it off for us. All right, guys. So this is, I, Katie knows everything and I'm going to say this and she's probably going to be like, yeah, you didn't know about this, you idiot. <laughs> I don't know anything. Okay. But this is possibly the scandal of the century in Wisconsin. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Um, at least in my life. So for those of you that don't know, my dad is an architect. Okay. So we grew up being taken to like buildings and shit like that was like our vacations we would go look at stuff and he'd be like look at this brick this is so nice look at you saw frank lloyd wright stuff is that what this is introing to yes okay (laughs) and you're like you didn't know about this so i grew up my entire life mind (laughs) you my father literally in like third grade came in and gave a whole talk on like frank lloyd wright because my art teacher asked him to come in like all this other stuff he worked for the people that built the uh original world trade centers like architecture especially american architecture has been a prominent part of my life and i had no idea about this we skipped over this whole scandal so anyways we are headed to spring green wisconsin this week it's a tiny village uh situated in sauk county with a population of 1600 so teeny tiny But I think this might be the gem of Wisconsin. I think this is where every single cultured person in Wisconsin might be hiding out. Okay. I'm Um, embarrassed because usually when you say a city name, I'm like, of course. And you just said it's where all the cultured people are. I've never heard of it. (laughs) I think it's, I mean, I've never, I've never heard of this either. It's literally like two square miles in total, teeny tiny. It's like 40 miles west of Madison. So it's in kind of like a weird area. I don't feel like there's a ton out there. Um, But it's been home to some really notable residents. So first one, I mean, I don't know if we're going to put this under the cultured category, but it definitely spiced things up. So Svetlana Aliyuva, I think is how you pronounce it, who is the daughter of Joseph Stalin, the dictator. What? Yes. Okay. I did not deep dive into what her relationship with her father was or why she was in Wisconsin, but interesting move. 
Russia to Wisconsin. Whole nother conversation. But she lived there. <laughs> okay. And then here's where we get into, though, the folks of my caliber. Uh, Carrie Graves, who was an Olympic gold medalist and head coach of the Harvard Crimson and Texas Longhorns women's crew teams. So does it get any preppier than coaching for Harvard's crew team? No. No. Guarantee you not. Definitely she would fit in in Bloomfield Hills. She's got a polo shirt on for sure every day of her life. Absolutely. Do you think she's ever met anybody that didn't know that she coached for Harvard? No. I feel like also if someone is on the crew team in any way, shape, or form, everyone knows it. It's similar to being like, a vegan. A vegan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you have to announce it. Mm-hmm. It's important. Um, and then they also had a bunch of state representatives that were from there, and even a few actresses, including Academy Award winner Ann Baxter, who was the Best Supporting Actress in 1947. So, I mean, lots of, like, mm-hmm. older pedigreed, you know, families. But she was super pretty, by the way. I looked up her um, photos online, and she's, like, like the Grace Kelly, like, Marilyn Monroe, like, that kind of beautiful, so pretty. Okay. Now you just brought up something that I feel like I have to address. I wasn't going to say anything because how would I tie it in? Oh, but the fact that Kim Kardashian wore yes. Marilyn Monroe's dress is so upsetting to me just for, oh, okay. So I feel like when they talk about Marilyn Monroe, they always say like by today's standards, she would have been considered heavy. That's what I was wondering. And then Kim Kardashian was like, oh, I had to lose 16 pounds in three weeks to fit into this dress. So she's, she's already the per- person in general. Well, certain areas of her but I feel like it's more like okay so now a person that everyone held to like this standard of like see the like the standard of beauty has changed so much and now her like big butt but while also being extremely skinny and having a huge butt is fitting into it yeah oh good great perfect that's also, a typical body type right that's what you're supposed to look like <laughs> Also, even if you wear gloves while helping them try on the dress, I'm going to go ahead and argue that you're screwing with the integrity of the dress's like, features by Thank putting you. your body in it. Yeah, so. I'd be so sketch. But no, I didn't think that that was really interesting because I thought I had heard that she was like a size, you know, like 12 or 14 or like, I don't know, which I mean is about what I am. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm not shaped like Kim Kardashian. I would have had to lose a lot more weight to fit into that dress. Because Kim Kardashian, I think, is like five foot, like five three. Like she's very like tiny. Like she has a small frame. Yeah. So that's, and I get it. Like obviously the butt probably offset stuff, but weird. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks for going on that rant with us guys. Yeah, sorry. I just had to. She brought up Marilyn Monroe, and then I was thinking about it, and I just had to bring it up. However, I do like Kim Kardashian. Pete Davidson is a national treasure. He should be in the Ripley's or Not Wax Museum. So They are so cute together. I have loved all these red carpet pictures because I didn't really know, honestly, how they would like look together, which sounds mean, but I feel like they look very cute together. 
Yeah, I kind of question how he would look because I feel like when he was with Ariana Grande, he went from like looking like himself to looking way weirder. So I didn't know if there was going to be a weird transition. No, they (laughs) fit together and I'm here for it. But I still love Kanye. He just needs to go through whatever crisis he's going through and get some mental help. I do not like Kanye West. He can go to Wyoming and stay there forever. I miss the old Kanye, okay? And no, everybody needs to stop buying out West because I'm trying to um, (laughs) have a ranch at some point and all these rich people are ruining the property values for me. (laughs) Okay, so so you guys are on notice. Speaking of building out estates, if you will, uh, Spring Green is, of course, most famous, though, for being home to Frank Lloyd Wright's studio and home. Taliesin. Okay. So if you're not familiar, Frank Lloyd Wright was an American architect, designer, writer, educator. I guarantee you've seen some of his buildings and definitely even like I think his stained glass windows are really iconic. You've seen the patterns, the geometric patterns that he created. Um, He designed more than a thousand structures over his career of 70 years. And he played a key role in the architectural movements of the 20th century. He was uh, really into designing with the environment, which was super progressive, especially for that time. And it was a philosophy that he called organic architecture. So he believed he was like a hipster before the hipsters, guys. He might have been the OG hipster because he was into like locally sourcing um all of the pieces to build the houses and really working with the actual site that the buildings were placed on. So, oh, and he, of course, his most famous building was Falling Water. If you haven't seen that, you probably have, but go Google it. Super pretty. Not meant to, he wasn't real into like structural soundness. Fun fact, by the way. So a lot of the buildings are like falling apart. He was real into like the aesthetics, but Anyways, perfect. I need to actually Google what that looks like because I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't know them by names. So Falling Water is the one with all the, they're called cantilevers, but like the big balconies that basically go over. It's like situated on a waterfall. It's super pretty. It has been called the best all-time work of American architecture. Fun fact. Hmm. I'm surprised Kanye hasn't claimed that for himself. He's trying. He's trying to get into the architecture game. Another story, another day. We'll (laughs) tackle that when we tackle Stalin's daughter. Um, So Wright was raised in rural Wisconsin, and he studied civil engineering at the University of Wisconsin and then went down to Chicago to apprentice briefly with a firm there. Another fun fact for you that I had no idea, one of his eight kids, John Lloyd Wright, invented Lincoln Logs. What? Their whole family was just, I mean, they did a lot of cool stuff. A lot of them did end up being like architects, interior designers, really like sticking to Mm -hmm. the family craft, which I think is really cool. So his fame obviously grew over time. He really built a name for himself and was super sought after for people uh, that wanted to build houses. He even did some commercial buildings. But he was also into scandal making back in the day, evidently. 
So his personal life from time to time would make headlines, which I feel like, because this was like early 1900s, okay? The tabloids had to have been so fun. I can't imagine like the things that they thought were scandalous at this point in life. I mean, even if you compare like now to like when I was a kid in the grocery store, the stuff the tabloids had on them. There's a lot of like bad boys. And Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) No, not when I was a kid. They were children also. It was like woman has like half bat, half boy. Oh, the National Enquirer? Yes. Okay, so... One of the ways that he made the headlines was when he left his first wife, Catherine, for this woman named Mary Booten Borthwick. Her nickname was Mama. It's spelled M-A-M-A-H, which throws me off. So (laughs) Mary, or Mama, was born in Boone, Iowa in 1869 She had two sisters and earned her bachelor's and master's degrees at the University of Michigan. Shout out to U of M. My brother just got in. Um, (laughs) And she later worked as a librarian in Port Huron, Michigan. In 1899, Mama married Edwin Cheney, an electrical engineer from Oak Park, Illinois. And they had two children, John and Martha. But before their children were born, they also adopted Mama's niece, uh, Jessie, because her sister had died in childbirth in 1901. So super sad, but really awesome that they were able to step up and adopt her. I mean, I already think it's a mistake divorcing Catherine because she sounds like a class act. That's a good choice of a name. So, Well, no, this is this is Mama. This is the mistress. I know. I said I think he made a mistake by divorcing Catherine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bad choice. Well, we'll see. So Mama met Frank Lloyd Wright through his wife, Catherine, okay, at a social club. Listen to this, the scandal. It runs deep. So soon after, Mama's husband, Edwin, commissioned Frank Lloyd Wright to design them a home in Oak Park, which is now known as the Edwin H. Cheney House. Okay, so Frank Lloyd Wright built this family's home. Hmm. And I don't know what happened, what ensued. Obviously, they were cozying up at some point because in 1909, Mama and Frank Lloyd Wright left their spouses and traveled to Europe. Rude rude. So Wright returned to the United States around a year later in October of 1910. But Mama remained in Europe so she could obtain a divorce from her husband for reason of abandonment. I don't know. Of her abandonment? (laughs) I That was not clear to me, but it seems like, yeah, maybe. I guess 1910 was a weird time to be getting a divorce. I would imagine the laws were Interesting, especially when it came to like women pursuing a divorce, but I don't know. That's what happened. So during her time in Europe, she began translating the works of the Swedish feminist and writer Ellen Key, who she really admired. And that kind of became like her life's work after that. So she was like a real staunch feminist. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, And then in April 1911, Frank Lloyd Wright's mother 
purchase this plot of land in her family's valley near Spring Green, Wisconsin, so that he could begin designing a home where he could live with Mama after she had Wait, his mom is allowing this and helping it along? That's, come on, Mom. That's, I know, I was pretty shocked by that. I also wish my parents would buy me a plot of land to build a house on. But that's neither here nor To get away from Ryan. (laughs) No, Ryan can come with. (laughs) This week at least. (laughs) We'll see. Next week, maybe not. Whatever. It's a day-by-day thing. We just take (laughs) it as it comes. (laughs) So he named the home Taliesin, which is Welsh for shining brow. And Frank Lloyd Wright was like super Welsh, I think. I can't remember which one of his parents, but I think one of them immigrated from Wales. So he was... Oh. Super Welsh. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Shining brow, like sweaty forehead. Um. Yeah, but I think he looked Cute. at it from a more poetic point of view. I think it was how the house was situated into the side of the hill. It was kind of like straight, and I don't know when it caught the sunlight. Whatever. But, or my like next... a sweaty forehead. One I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna name my house probably either athlete's foot or maybe jock itch or something. I like it. So Mama returned to the United States in June of 1911 and ended up then spending time with her children in Canada through the summer waiting for the divorce to go through, Mm -hmm. which eventually went through on August 5th. So she then returned to her maiden name and joined Frank Lloyd Wright at Taliesin that month, which was still being constructed at that point. The press became aware of the couple living together. Super scandalous for the time. Yeah. They were not married and they were both divorced and they left their families. Mm-hmm. Um, and they So they became aware of them living together at Taliesin shortly before Christmas in 1911. The editor of the Spring Green newspaper, which was the weekly home news, condemned Wright for bringing scandal to the village. <laughs> Ooh. And the press reported the European trip as a spiritual hegira, which I don't know what that means, but it sounds naughty. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> um. But they basically referred to Mama and Frank Lloyd Wright as soulmates, and they referred to Taliesin as the love castle or love bungalow. Gross. (laughs) The Chicago newspapers criticized Wright, implying that he would soon be arrested for immorality, even though the local sheriff was like, I can't prove that they're doing anything wrong. So I don't know what to do with that one. Um, But most of their friends and acquaintances considered their open closeness to be scandalous, especially since Catherine, right? Frank Lloyd Wright's wife had refused to agree to a divorce. Get a girl. Yeah. She was not, not there to mess around. So the scandal affected Wright's career for several years, and he did not receive his next major commission until the Midway Gardens, which happened in 1913. So mm-hmm. it took a couple of years for things to settle down before anybody was really willing to work with him again. You don't screw with Catherine's. So that's the moral of that story. Katie's real name is Catherine, guys. Mm-hmm. Just so so don't, sc- don't screw with me. 
don't do it. Don't try and divorce her. <laughs> no. Mirza. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So that is the background on where we're at, the key players in the story, what was going on, right? Yeah. Julian Carlton was a 31-year-old man who came to work as a chef and a servant at Taliesin for the summer in 1914. So they've been in the house for a few years now. Frank Lloyd Wright has finally gotten, you know, another major commission. He's working steadily again. That's kind of where we're at. Carlton was from Barbados, and he was recommended to write by John Vogelsong, who was the caterer for the Midway Gardens project. What level of wealth were these people at, by the way? Like everything we talk about, he's doing a project and they have like a caterer. And it's like, oh, mom's buying plats of land in her family's valley. Like all this stuff is just. I don't know. I'm telling you, if mama doesn't get uh, Julian from the Barbados, a K-1 visa, and this turns into 90 Day Fiance, I'm going to be pissed. Well, he had a wife, so. That doesn't stop her. Next, Carlton and his wife Gertrude had previously served in the house of Vogelsong's parents in Chicago. So that was kind of how they all knew each other and how Carlton came to work for Wright at Taliesin. So things started out super normally with Carlton fitting in with the workings of the estate and everybody there. But he grew increasingly paranoid. He was seen staying up late at night with a butcher's knife and just staring out the window. Not normal. (laughs) I would say, in my professional opinion, weird. Uh, And this behavior was noticed by Mama and Wright, who ended up issuing an ad in a local newspaper for a replacement cook. They were basically like, okay, just (laughs) catch. We're going to need to hire somebody else. So Carlton was given notice um, that August 15th, 1914 would be his last day. They basically fired him and said, hey, this is, this is it. Mm. But before he left, he plotted to kill the residents of Taliesin. Um, yeah, I was going to say, the- I think the only thing worse than having someone in your employ, like, doing that is having to fire someone in your employ who was doing that like I wouldn't even know how to deal with that situation to be honest I mean obviously they weren't that concerned they weren't like oh we can cook for ourselves for a few days they were like listen we gotta figure this out (laughs) we'll keep them on till we find a backup cook it's fine yeah, the knives, we can deal with that. That's a, It's at night, so we're sleeping anyways. But <laughs> Maybe he was just practicing his knife skills. Like he was really well, I think that it. I read somewhere that he had been um, dropping a lot of acid, and I think that, mm, which I think it. can be fabulous. You know, sometimes you turn out like Elon Musk, great. That's wonderful. Mm. But sometimes you fry your brain, and then you end up staring out windows at night holding knives so i guess i didn't even realize acid was around then i thought that was like a 60s 70s thing that's i feel like when it kind of peaked i don't know when was mk ultra and all that stuff maybe the government's involved in this i'm not sure when it was whatever commercialized he was was drinking the original coca-cola recipe or something 
God bless. I wish I could try that. I'm not even like a drugs person, but I feel like it'd be a fun time. It's an experience. An experience. So his primary target was draftsman Emil Brodel, who had called Carlton a black son of a bitch on August 12th for not following an order. Mm-hmm. Super questionable, Emil. Not called for. Um, when but, you have to identify that first part, like, I mean, I'm cool. I get pissed. I'll call someone a son of a bitch or a bitch. Right. But, like, you don't need to, like, identify their hair color or their skin color or whatever. Just, like. No. Could have left that one out. So, Brodell and Carlton also engaged in a minor physical confrontation Oof. two days later. So on the 14th, they got into some kind of scuffle. Clearly, things were pretty contentious. What's the body type on each of these? I don't know. I don't mean in like a sick way. I'm not like, hmm, how do they look? I'm just wondering, is like one of the guys like much bigger? I'm not sure. I don't think I saw full body pictures of either of them. I saw... Well, I don't want to spoil that, but I didn't see other pictures of stuff involved in the murder. Okay. So they get into the confrontation. Anyways, then Carlton's over it and he plans the assault for the last day (laughs) when he's going to be fired. Clearly he's over it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And he decides he's going to do it at lunchtime at noon when Mama's going to be with her kids on one side of the property and then the other like personnel, like all the workers and everybody else on the property is going to be on the other side. Everybody's going to be hanging out waiting for lunch and he's the cook. So he knows exactly where they're going to be. Okay. Um, And then just so everybody knows, Frank Lloyd Wright was away in Chicago at this point, completing the Midway Gardens while Mama was staying home with her two children, 11-year-old John and 9-year-old Martha. So on August 15th, Carlton grabs a shingling hatchet and began to attack. He started with Mama and her children who were waiting on the porch off of the living room. Um, mama was killed by a single blow to the face, super gnarly. And her son, John was slaughtered as he sat in his chair. This next part freaks me out and like, heebie jeebies. So Martha, the daughter managed to flee, but was hunted down and slain in the courtyard. Horrible. He then coated the bodies in gasoline and set them on fire, in turn setting the house on fire. So he then turned his attention to the other six residents. Basically, this was a little bit, like, scattered, too, on the reporting, but it seemed like he, I believe, like, nailed the windows and the doors shut so that they were trapped in... um, this dining how did, room. How did no one notice that? I I have no idea. And he poured gasoline underneath the door and then set that part of the residence on fire too. I mean, it was a pretty expansive building. So they were on opposite ends. Uh, draftsman Herbert Fritz managed to break open a window and escape, though he broke his arm in the process. Um, Carlton then entered 
the dining room and killed Brodel, so the draftsman that he had initially gotten into all these fights with. He then hid, waiting for other residents to try and escape. And as foreman Will Weston and his 13-year-old son Ernest ran through the door, Carlton attacked them with a hatchet. The Westons escaped, but Ernest, the son, ended up dying from his wounds hours later. What the frick, dude? (sighs) Super sad. So Carlton sought out the final two residents, who it was laborer Thomas Brunker and then the gardener David Lindblom. Um, Brunker and Lindblom managed to fight off Carlton and and escape, but they died days later from their burns and injuries. So with the house completely empty, Carlton runs down to the basement into a fireproof furnace chamber and basically waits to die. He brought a small vial of hydrochloric acid with him as a fallback plan in case the heat became too much for him to handle and he just wanted to like end it faster. He did attempt suicide by swallowing the acid, but it failed to kill him. Good. So Lindblom and Weston, the two that had gotten away initially, alerted a neighboring farm of the attack and then um, returned to the house. And Weston was able to use a garden hose to extinguish uh, the flames and his efforts saved the studio portion of the building. And many of Wright's manuscripts, which was super lucky because that was like his studio and his house, like where he was working out. Well, it didn't save any other people? Well, the people, obviously, oh. we already kind of heard how things shook out. Um, eventually, neighbors arrived to assist in putting out the fire and search for survivors. I mean, I don't think that he like was like, oh, I need to save just this paperwork. I think that he was, trying to was wondering if he's like, the manuscripts, like, what? Right. No, I think he was trying to, like, put out the fire to then find people, potentially, or see what was going on. So um, did this D-bag survive? Listen, Iowa County Sheriff John Williams found Carlton, arrested him, Okay. He was transferred to the county jail in Dodgeville. Gertrude, his wife, was found in a nearby field, totally unaware of her husband's intentions or what was going on back at the house. She was dressed in travel clothes and she was like on her way to go catch a train to Chicago because she was looking for a new job because they'd been fired. Like this was the last day. Oh, that's right. I didn't realize she had been fired. I even forgot she was there. Yeah. I mean, poor Gertrude too. But she was released from police custody shortly after the incident, and she was sent to Chicago with $7 and never heard again. Good for her. She was out. (laughs) The hydrochloric acid that Carlton ingested to try and kill himself. So it failed to kill him, but it did badly burn his esophagus, which made it really difficult for him to ingest food. I mean, I'm not sad for him. No, he deserved that for sure. Um, the bodies of all the dead and injured people were brought to Tanny Dairy. So it was the nearby home of Wright's sister, Jane Porter. And Wright returned to Taliesin that night with his son and then Mama's ex-husband, Edwin. 
Cheney was able to bring home the remains of his children to Chicago, but Wright kept Mama on the grounds um, there to be buried in uh, his family's. They had like a chapel, like where everybody, yeah, like a cemetery where everybody gets buried. So he got, he buried her there. He was so heartbroken over this. He didn't even mark the grave because he couldn't bear to be reminded of the tragedy. And he also did not hold a funeral, um, although he did fund and attend services for the employees that had passed away in the incident. How many people total was it? Oh, God. I think it was eight or nine. How many? And I think three of those were children, correct? It was one, two, three, four, five, six seven and three of them were children yeah what a butthole i know super sad so Wright really struggled with the loss of mama and experienced symptoms <coughs> excuse me of conversion disorder including insomnia weight loss and temporary blindness which sounds wild but he was real tore up that sounds and terrifying also Yeah. After a few months of recovery, he had been staying with his uh, sister, Jane Porter, and then he moved to an apartment in Chicago. Um, But this whole situation had a really profound effect on his design principles as well, because he had moved into and built this place right after um, he had built out like a nearby school and just was like on this trajectory of like a very solid style. So Carlton was indicted on August 16th and was charged with the murder of Emile Brodel because that was the only death that was directly witnessed by one of the survivors. So that's all that they ended up being able to charge him with, unfortunately. What? Yeah. Carlton entered a not guilty plea and then... 47 days after the fire, before the case could even be heard, Carlton died of starvation in his cell, which sounds like a really slow, terrible way to die and exactly what you deserve. Yeah, I feel like it matches, especially the people he just like put gasoline under the door, left it. I mean, Uh, terrible to get like hatcheted to death or whatever, but it's at least faster than death by fire burning to death yeah i can't imagine burning and like drowning have to be horrible because i feel like it's like you know what's happening at least for a little while i heard and i don't know if this is true because usually what kills you is the smoke asphyxiation but i heard that prior to like your death that your fingernails and your hair will melt like you can feel them oh melting I don't, I mean, obviously I have no way to know whether or not that's inaccurate. That's so gnarly. Yeah, he's a butthole and I'm glad he suffered instead of just sitting in jail. Yes. So Wright ended up publishing an open letter to the local newspaper to thank the community for its support, but also to defend Mama and to show that he was not going to be driven out because this is still a scandalous situation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, I mean, pretty contentious. So he promised to, rebu- to rebuild Taliesin in her memory 
and he kept his word and rebuilt the house, which was his home until his death. And it's now basically a monument to his life and work. There actually ended up, I want to say there was like one or two other like fires or like property damage because they kept calling it Taliesin 1, Taliesin 2, Taliesin 3. Like they had to rebuild Ooh. major portions of the building a couple different times, which is pretty wild. But that was that was his spot. Um, no evidence of irrational intention or motive was ever found as to why he wanted to kill everybody on the property which is also really sad. Um, And people, I mean, this is still something that people are researching and working on to figure out what all went into this, but. And clearly he was insane because I understand, I guess I would understand if he went after that one guy. Right. Like he plotted that. And then all of a sudden he saw that there's going to be a problem. So he went after everyone like crap. Well, and especially because he did go after mama and the kids first. That's yeah, exactly. That's the part that's weird to me is it wasn't like an afterthought, like, Ooh, shit, I should not have done that. Now I have all these witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. He's super sad. Yeah. So anyways, I had never, heard about this I was very shocked in all the years of Franklin Wright talks from my dad he failed to mention any murders do you think he knew about it or no so I know he knew about it because I called my sister right before we filmed this and I was like oh yeah like I'm working on you know my podcast for today uh it involves Franklin Wright she's like wait Dad was just telling Miles and I, my brother, about this like a few months ago. I was like, what? He never brought this up with me. So he knew. He just did not disclose. Well, the, well, the how dare he? Mm-hmm. So right. let's jump. Show. Let's do it. Okay. Before we do it, I just want to suggest to people, if you're having – a rough time of your life, mm-hmm. you should Google uh, Amazon reviews that are funny oh. because it is the most entertaining thing ever. I saw a picture of a lady falling down like rocks and she reviewed, oh, yeah. <laughs> she reviewed leggings saying, this is a picture of me sliding the whole way down and these leggings didn't rip. I'm going to buy them again. Or someone reviewed Home Alone and it says, while these men are thieves, no one deserves to get hit in the head with a brick this many times. <laughs> <laughs> it has been brightening up my life for like the last week. So check it I out. <laughs> check definitely it out. doing that later. <laughs> but now... We are going to jump in to our topic of the week, which we want to hear feedback from you guys. You can email us at maniaclymidwest at gmail.com. You can comment on our YouTube video. You can send us a message on Instagram. You can comment on our Instagram post, which I just realized now that I forgot to post that our last episode came up just with everything going on. So whoopsie doozy, my bad. But 
we have several avenues that you can let us know what are your thoughts and we want to hear from you guys. So Chloe, what is our topic this week? Guys, I have been so sucked in to the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard defamation case. It's a wild time. There's a lot. There's (laughs) people are pooping in beds. There's (laughs) real Scottish bodyguards. I mean, that guy is, he's a gem. What else? What are some of the evidently body cavity searches with bottles? (laughs) Okay, I just want to preface this. I'm I'm only laughing because of how absurd the media coverage of this all is that we have access to this. However, I will point out and say that I do not find domestic abuse funny. I'm just not certain that what we are witnessing here is the situation of domestic abuse that Amber Heard is trying to portray. I think they're both crazy people. And I think it's very interesting to see what people with absurd amounts of money do with their time in relationships. But I a hundred percent agree. Domestic violence is not something to joke or laugh about. These two fools, however, are something to joke and laugh about. Yeah, exactly. I think they're both pretty abusive. It's just a question of is the abuse that she's saying happened, did it happen? Meanwhile, I do think it's kind of bizarre that there's video or recordings of her saying that she has hit him and yet she has been able to keep her career while Johnny Depp has been essentially blackballed from different movies by her allegations. So I think that's kind of bizarre. And I, okay, so I went to sleep last night. I woke up at 3 a.m. I ordered some stuff online because (laughs) I don't know why. What else do you do at 3 a.m.? I also read an article about a guy who he got an infection in his perineum. Do you know what that is? Oh, I know what that is. I've had a child. (laughs) Well, he had to have his wiener amputated, but then, (laughs) but then, in a stroke of luck, he was able to have a wiener rebuilt on his arm, but unfortunately due to the pandemic, they couldn't remove it for four years. So he's been walking around living his life with like a wiener on his arm and he said he couldn't swim with his kids or anything because it would be inappropriate. Oh my (laughs) God. So you clearly never got away from the National Enquirer-esque kind of tabloid stuff. I saw it on my newsfeed and I had to read the article. But anyways, following that. Your algorithm has to be wild. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I was watching. I didn't mean to do this because, I mean, no offense to anyone who likes him, but I hate Ben Shapiro. I think he's the absolute like scum of the earth. I think still however you want to feel... But his face, you can't look at it and not just be a little bit annoyed. He just has one of those faces. He has a like, slappable you face. You just face. want to slap him if you see him. Yeah. Yes. It's. I don't know if it's the eyebrows. <clears throat> I mean. The, the eyebrows actually definitely do play into it for me. But he was saying that this whole thing is bogus and this is just more proof of how women – have an upper hand. They want to run this narrative that they have not had the upper hand. And look, Amber Heard has the upper hand in 
and women always have had an upper hand in domestic abuse situations. Okay, homeboy, slow your freaking roll, right? That's a lot to unpack right there. First of all, I have heard, read, etc. many reports of people saying that Amber Heard is a giant butthole. People yeah. don't like her. She's been awful to people nonstop. She spit in people's faces when she was pissed about stuff. She's been whack since day one, right? Yeah. Johnny Depp has not had the same allegations against him. He's been tied to like Winona Ryder. Um, I don't remember what the name of his kid's mom is, Vanessa something I want to say, but whatever. No one else is coming out saying this is behavior he's always had, which doesn't mean that he hasn't had this behavior with Amber. But I would just say that like someone's history can sometimes be an indicator of the future. How currently I think people are most of the time more willing to listen to a woman saying there's domestic violence, but not always. Mm -hmm. And there was a long time where you would not tell anyone because if you did try to report it to the police and then it gets back to your husband, you're going to get your ass beat. So you just keep it to yourself and say you walked into doors repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So I think that that narrative is bullcrap. On the flip side, it does kind of seem like she she had her lawyer write up an agreement that she gets to keep driving the Range Rover if he keeps paying for it and he pays for his penthouse, which sounds like blackmail because it's basically like we can handle this matter privately if you pay for all this stuff. Why would you... Why, number one, would a lawyer write that up? Why, number two, if you're so abused, why would you do that? And then write the op-ed piece. Op-ed, yeah. No, I think I think everybody's getting more than they bargained for out of this situation. And I think it's really blown up. I think that it was supposed to be cut and dry. And I think now... Mm-hmm. She fired her PR team details. last week. Did you hear that? What happened? She fired her PR team because she's pissed that like, like the press that she's getting. I mean, I'm not real sure. Those people had to have had their hands full. There's no way to spin a lot of this. I mean, even on his side, what I don't understand is why they were both constantly recording each other. Because there is a lot of video and audio from both sides. And what I want to know is, did you guys both know that you were recording or was everybody just secretly doing this and then it just so happens to come out? I think most of the time she was secretly recording. I don't know about Johnny's, but in that one video where he's like slamming cabinet doors and stuff. Yeah. He realizes it's on and he throws her phone. Okay. And then at the end of it, you when she picks it back up, you see her like smile and laugh. Which, They're wild. See, she, and, I, I don't know. The reason Basically, we need to know: Are you Team Johnny? Or are you Team Amber? Team Nobody? Team Everybody's fucking crazy. Where yeah. do you fall on this spectrum? I will say, if it comes out that they the jury decides that. Johnny is in the right, which I kind of do think. I think they're both abusive. I don't think that he's physically abusive. I think if someone's physically abusive, it's her. Yeah. But I'm pretty pissed at her because I feel like just like when people bring out false allegations of rape, it makes it 10 times harder when people actually do have those situations to come out and say like, oh, X, Y, and Z. Because right now, everyone is Johnny's biggest fan. Everything is justice for Johnny. 
Yeah. She's basically like made him famous. And if she made this up and then people are like, oh, yeah, just like Johnny Depp, women are always believed. They have such privilege. Like, Right. It sets a precedent. Cool, cool. But, yeah, no, I've heard that Amber Heard is a psycho also. And Johnny Depp is a psycho too. But I was deeply offended when she – mocked him for getting the Dior campaign and said he doesn't have style or class. Right? What? He's a style icon, okay? Say whatever you want about him. Uh, well, but- exactly. I mean, if I dressed mirrors up like that, people would be like, oh my God, he's going through something. But for him, it's like perfect. It's perfect with like the scarves and the rings and oh, all just, the the whole, just the whole vibe is perfect. The eyeliner, just a little... Like, yeah. Did I put this on today or a week ago? I don't know, but it works for him. It it really does. Right now, what he's doing is good. He's not in his like what's eating Gilbert grape phase. No, that was not good for him or Leo. I was that that movie that vibe is a no thank you for me. Like mm-mm. it really came through though, and they both ended up. Yeah, right. Leo. If you're listening to this, I love my husband, but we can work something out. Okay. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. You can get married to him and I'll go live in the New York penthouse, whatever. He speaks German. Did you know that he speaks German? Well, that's just wonderful. He would fit right in with your family. Yeah. Speaking of my family, this week is National Teacher Appreciation Week. It is. So, and I say speaking of family because my mom is a teacher. So, appreciate her. Um, actually I have several teachers in my family. My sister is teaching currently in Germany right now. Oh, that's Um, right. I forget about that. So, and my aunt currently is not teaching. Um, but she was a teacher up until COVID hit. Um, my other aunt is like a paraprofessional or teacher's assistant. I don't know like the different titles that as they change or whatever, Yeah, but she is, well, I would classify that as a teacher, but so I have a bunch of teachers in my family. So everyone, make sure your kids are appreciative to the teachers out there because they're in it. I know. They're in it. I mean, my kids can be a handful. Like, don't lie to yourselves. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us again this week. As always, check us out on Instagram. We're at Maniacally Midwest. Our TikTok handle is the same. Got maniacally midwest at gmail.com for our email. Any of the avenues that you can contact us, we love to hear comments, thoughts, suggestions for future cases. We're into it. Um, I did get a request that we recover Sandusky, but we did that somewhat recently. So next week, I will be debuting my Never Forget mug from the 90 Day Fiance and shouting Thanks. out my home. My homegirl, Roddy, because Danielle's from Sandusky, Ohio. But I don't want to forget about that. So shout out, Roddy. I'll shout her out again next week. But for now, <laughs> I don't have my mug. I have Starbucks this on this okay. blessed day. <laughs> Anyways. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.